Hi everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Tapis Rouge. I'm your host, Guillaume Cauchois, and our guest today is a little bit different. Jimmy Q is one of the most successful male models of his generation, and was actually one of the first heavily tattooed models to find his way to the high fashion industry. He's had a very unique path to fame, and I'm super excited to share our conversation with you guys. Here he is, the man, the legend, Jimmy Q. Jimmy, my friend, welcome to Tapis Rouge. Thank you, thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> yes, man. So the, the first time we met was back in Sydney in, what, 2014, 2015? I, I believe so, yeah. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, so you came to watch our show Totem while you were actually in town for, because you're working on a campaign, right? Yes, I was. Yeah, I was shooting, a, I can't remember what it was called, David something. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But I was there, yeah, for a while, and, and you reached out to me, and we came and saw you. It was great. That was so cool. Was it your first Cirque du Soleil show? It was not. Um, I went to one when I was much younger with, a, with a, like my first girlfriend, actually, mm-hmm. um, and, and her family when it was in Santa Monica Pier. I don't remember, I don't, I don't remember the show name, but... Um, that was the first time, but the one I went with you was definitely the most memorable. <laughs> Thank you. It was so cool to like go back and meet everybody and see that, you know, how it all works and everything. That was really, really cool. Yeah, to be on the scene for sure. Yeah, I'll never forget that. That was awesome. It's like another world back there. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't believe that they just go back there and start training right after the show. I was like... <laughs> You would think they're done. I'm done. Nope. Show never ends. Nope. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like I, I used to say it's um, a monastic life. You know, you wake up in the morning, you eat thinking about the show, then you go train before the show, staging, rehearsal, you do the show, and then you train after, you stretch. <laughs> you, it's... It don't end ever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's cool. And to give our listener a little background, you are an extremely successful model. Um, would you mind taking us from the beginnings? Mm-hmm. How did you start your modeling career and everything? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I, I was a skateboarder. I grew up a skateboarder in Venice, California. That was my whole life. And uh, I was sponsored. I wasn't pro, but I was getting close. And um, I started shooting like lookbooks and stuff for skateboard like, companies and things like that. And then I met a girl on Facebook and I flew to England to meet her. <laughs> this is before, before Instagram and FaceTime <laughs> and all that. We were on the phone and texting for like a year. And um, I went there to meet her wow. and I loved it so much. And I wanted to stay there and I didn't know what to do. And I, I asked her, what, what can I do to get a visa? And she had told me, you know, they just started to use a few guys with some tattoos and the high fashion scene. Um, you should hit up some agencies and see what they say. And I had already done a few things here and there, you know, like I said, at that time. So I, um, I messaged them all. I kind of lied a lot and said, I did this, I did that. I've been doing this for years. I'm a pro <laughs> skateboarder, et cetera. Um, and I didn't get many responses except for I got a response from one or two. And the one I went to told me to come in the next morning and meet them. And they were one of the biggest in England and 
I went in, met them, and got signed. Right away. That's crazy. And I wasn't successful at first, of course. Um, it took years of, of just spending money, spending money, traveling out of my own pocket, owing the agency money, and doing a bunch of test shoots and just running around, you mm -hmm. know, be, being a new model. Yeah. And at that time, were you already heavily tattooed or it's, is it something that you developed over the years? I was already heavily tattooed. So for me, it was a bit harder than most people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I really had to put in the work and a lot of people, as soon as they saw me, shut me down. Mm. So it was not a very popular look already. No, 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 no. I think it was me and it was me and maybe two other people that were the first okay. heavily tattooed in high fashion. Mm -hmm. You know, they had other things going on, but in the high fashion scene, London, Paris, Milan, Fashion Week, you know, mm -hmm. walking shows, doing campaigns. And um, yeah, we were really like the pioneers of that look for a while. Yeah, for sure. And then it blew up. Yeah. And we were a dime a dozen. <laughs> everyone, everyone had the haircut and tattoos and the style and it was just, they were everywhere. Yeah. And how did you see that come? Like, was it, all at once, like you and the two other guys had your first breakthrough, starting to do big campaigns and stuff. And then that what started the trend or how did that happen? I'm not, I'm not sure if we started it, but we were some of the first to do it. So it was, uh, it was very, you know, like I said, it was hard. Um, we did a bunch of, you know, bullshit at first and then started to get the big jobs and the big campaigns. And at that time, I was living in North London mm -hmm. with my, with my girlfriend and we kind of split up and, you know, I was kind of following the path of being who I wanted to be in that scene and that industry and that mm -hmm. world and kind of realized that the nightlife and everything was kind of tied together. So I moved to Soho with a friend, which is, you know, like the epicenter of nightlife and, mm -hmm. and everything in London, all the fun. And really that's when everything just kind of took off. I was with the right people at the right places, mm -hmm. you know, getting my photos taken, dressing really, really flashy and fun and super fashionable and getting noticed really. So, mm -hmm. And so was everyone else. And that's kind of when it all really took off for us. Okay. And what was your first breakthrough? I think maybe my biggest uh, first job I ever did was the Tony and Guy campaign, which was an international campaign. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I was on all the windows and all the billboards and all the shops all across the world. Um, and that really, really blew me up for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so what, what were the changes from that time, from that period, you that first campaign, what are the, the concrete changes that happened for you? Oh my God. It was just so busy. I, I, you know, I was living out of a suitcase. I was traveling seven, eight, nine months out of the year home for a few days, gone for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And I was just doing all kinds of stuff. Um, some not so big and some big and, you know, walking fashion weeks and mm -hmm. traveling the world. And I never, you know, in my life thought I would ever get to do anything like that. So it was, uh, it was amazing. I miss it. Yeah. I definitely miss it. Times have changed. Yeah. <laughs> in your opinion, to be a, a model, what do you have to do to be successful? Is it, do you have to be only good looking with whatever that may means or? Um, I don't think necessarily uh, you have to be good looking, you know, you could be weird looking or just different or, you know, they like 
out of the ordinary kind of looks I'd say. Mm -hmm. And of course your typical, very beautiful people. Um, mm-hmm. but hmm, I don't know. Because with what you're saying, what I understand with how you started was you really made an effort to affirm your personality to like, just be who you were oh, yeah. starting to like, let yourself shine the way you were. And that's what really draw the attention. On oh, you. for sure. For sure. Um, I think for me, it was a little different because I was American. I was heavily tattooed and I was wearing, you know, designer suits and three pieces and Savile Row suits all the time. And for them at the time, it was a very new thing. It was very interesting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was going to all the you know top places in the social scene and places they probably wouldn't let me in most of the time mm -hmm. or beforehand. And I don't know, I was kind of just living that life and I, I kind of was just doing me and being myself and not caring what anyone thought of me and and i was just like a rebel but also i don't know like classic gentleman but punk rock rebel kid skateboarder and mm -hmm. it was just i think intriguing to other people in other countries yeah and do you think your tattoos played a crucial part in your development as a model oh for sure um i mean mm -hmm. my tattoos i don't necessarily see them when i look in the mirror anymore but i know everyone else does when they first see me Mm -hmm. and um they definitely played a huge part in what i did and i think i could have also been successful maybe um without them just because i'm not shy in front of a camera i understand what they're trying to get from mm -hmm. me as far as the looks and the attitude and the whole you know mentality so i think i could have did well but i definitely my my little niche was the tattoos and the suits and the, the, mm -hmm. the kind of rockabilly style as well at first yeah for sure I think that's interesting what you're saying about getting what the director wants as far as style and everything, because being a model is definitely a form of performance. Like when you are oh, yeah. walking runways or when you're shooting or photos and videos. So how do you approach that performing aspect? When you're shooting, do you play characters or do you just try to stay yourself and just taking the style and what the director wants for yourself? Yeah, I suppose it depends on what they're going for, what I feel they're going for, what they've told me. You know, I can be playful, happy, fun. We can dance around. We can have a good time, interact with people. Um, I can be super serious and like kind of angry and badass and mean. And I guess I could just sense. Uh, this is probably what made me good at what I did is I could sense what they wanted from me in these, in these instances. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I think it played a huge part that I was able to uh, understand that because, you know, There were some kids I do runway shows with and they, ne they had never done it before and they didn't know what to do. And I would just give them little hints, mm -hmm. like depending on what the show was. I remember once I told a kid, just pick one of the photographers at the end of the runway and pretend like he just slapped your mom. And you walk over there and you get to the end and you look at him and you, and you realize, oh, that ain't him. And turn around and walk away. You know, <laughs> you just like, you got to make up little, you know, little scenes in your head of your, your whole attitude for the things that you're doing. And I guess the runway, it's, it's very similar than what I do for, for a living, like performing on stage. Like you have, you have an audience and you it's live. So you have to go and be spot on oh, yeah. right on. And sometimes you fuck up. And when you fuck up, you have to find <laughs> a way to like 
just catch it and make it look like Smooth. it was all planned all along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You definitely have to play it off sometimes. Lots of times actually, because, yeah. you know, sometimes they're giving you shoes that are three, two sizes too small or two sizes too big. And, you know, you're, you're trying to walk serious and cool and you're tripping over yourself and tripping off the runway slippery sometimes. And sometimes your clothes fall off or something, you know, you gotta, you gotta play it off and make it cool. Pick it up, throw it over yeah. your shoulder. Just keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> Did that ever happen to you? Yes. I've tripped before for sure on some shoes that were way too big for me. Um, <laughs> there was times where I, we had to walk on like gravel and I think it was just really difficult to try to like make that look cool. <laughs> yes. You're like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, they were shooting fake snow out one time on a runway and it was really soapy water. So it was, mm. it was making the whole runway slippery for everyone. <laughs> But, um, I don't know. Me, myself, I, I would probably laugh. I would just probably, yeah. oh! <laughs> it, has, it has happened. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess like a Cirque du Soleil artist, you need to take care of your body to just stay in whatever shape you need to have for your look. So um, was taking care of your body a big part of your daily routine? No, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was doing the opposite of taking care of my body. <laughs> <laughs> I was partying. I was living off cigarettes and coffee, alcohol. <laughs> I was out all the time um, towards, towards more of the end of my time there. But um, no, I mean, I do understand the importance of it now. I understand that you do need to definitely do that. And some people, you know, they, they have to for sure. For me, I was lucky enough. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was always quite slim, had a fast metabolism. I didn't really have to worry too mm -hmm. much. And, uh, you know, I was, I was vegan for a long time. So that, I think that kind of helped me out as well. Okay. Yeah. Not anymore. So I'm eating, <laughs> I eat in and out like once a week. Yeah. I was about to say back on that in and out diet. Definitely. <laughs> and so are you still getting jobs? Are you still trying to work now as a model? I do here and there. Um, COVID really slowed everything down for me. Um, mm, I was yeah planning on doing a bit of traveling. I was in London for like six months right before COVID and my child was born. So or my girlfriend got Congratulations. pregnant. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations to you too. Yeah. <laughs> that club. Yeah. That dad life. But, um, I kind of just, you know, when my daughter was born, I decided that I wanted to be there, you know, yeah, for sure. and watch her for the, I didn't want to have a babysitter. Um, I didn't want to do all that. So I kind of just, It took off and hustled and did what I needed to do to make money and support the household and be there with my daughter while my girlfriend continued her business. She couldn't, mm -hmm. she couldn't take off like that. So um, I kind of just did what I needed to do and just been dadding ever since. So <laughs> I do jobs here and there. I do. Um, I get some offers. I've done a few TV, like I did a TV commercial like a month ago. It's cool. Mm, I mean, nice. doing, doing a lot of, at home auditions for TV commercials and little roles and stuff mm -hmm. like, like that. And so you're trying to transition more into TV and maybe movies. Would you like, is that something you would like to do? I would love to, I would love to do that. I do have an agent for that type of thing, but you know, it's, yeah. it's tough out here. It's tough out here. Everybody wants to be an actor in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's for sure. And, but I guess with your, you have such a specific look. So it would be like, once you would get that role, it would be a role that would be really tailored around that look. Or do you think that nowadays that tattoos are more mainstream with your look, you could play pretty much any kind of roles. 
think it really depends on the on the production and their budget and what they're looking for because they could cover them up if they wanted to. They really liked me for yeah, a while. That's true. Um, but most of the time, I get casted for tattoo artist, uh, rockabilly dude, skateboarder dude, mm. biker dude. You know, mm-hmm. the cliche type casting. But <laughs> it's all right. I, I'll do that. I could be a gangster. I, you know, I could be whatever you want. Yeah, uh, my legs are covered of tattoos too. Yes, but my trapeze costume was just pants. So actually, when I was on stage, I was like without a shirt. But the only part of my body that was covered with a costume was actually covered of tattoos. <laughs> and I had that backup character that I was doing just once, like when the main actor was injured or sick. And it was a character that was ended up just wearing uh, boxers yeah. on stage. And every time I was doing that cue, the wardrobe crew were like, ugh. No, we need to like cover up all his tattoos. Going to take forever, and like I remember, it was taking like thirty or forty minutes to do all my legs. But it's really magical. But once it happens, it happens. It's done, man. It's it looks like nothing. It looks like you have like whole blank canvas again. Yeah, it's so awesome. I mean, sometimes I wish I did. Um, they they've done it to me like on my face ones because it's kind of like a naked woman on one of the sides. I don't know one of the sides, mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, they put like orange first, like a you know, like an orange color, then they go over it with the makeup, and it's pretty cool how they do that. Um, yeah. I actually did a shoot once for I think it was Barber, like the jackets. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the ad come out, I didn't even recognize myself, but they photoshopped all of my tattoos off. I was in shorts, oh. short sleeve shirt, my legs, my my arms, my neck, everything. It was so weird to see That's myself. Photoshop like too, yeah. <laughs> I was like, why did you even pick me for this? Show? Yeah, it's true. It looks like a lot of effort. <laughs> it, yeah, it was. Like, you could have used anybody. But, I mean, I guess they wanted me for that one. It was, it was weird. All right, guys. A little side story now. Back in 2014, I hurt my back training backstage before a show. The pain was so intense, I couldn't put my socks on, sit for more than two minutes, and obviously it took me out of the show for quite some time. I followed a strict core rehabilitation program, and after six weeks, I got back on stage. But I kept having recurring pain. So I started to educate myself about core anatomy, rehab training, and pain science. I wanted to understand why am I doing all these exercises if the pain keeps coming back? The more I was learning, the more I understood I had to change. I started switching exercises, tweaked some techniques and executions, and also completely changed my perception of pain. After a couple of weeks, on top of reducing considerably my pain level, I was feeling so much stronger, which increased my confidence to move and better perform on stage. My life overall was so much better. Finally, I was pain-free and not scared to hurt my back again. I had a lot of artists and athlete friends who saw that happening and asked me, hey, what did you do for your back? And I thought, I could put it all out in a clear and clean way, instead of always pulling random videos on YouTube and giving quick guidance. So I reached out to all the best doctors, physiotherapists, and performance medicine specialists whom I met touring and ask them to help me develop Protocol Cut to the Core. Protocol Cut to the Core is the first rehab and strengthening protocol for back or hip pain 
that also includes a comprehensive course in core anatomy, biomechanics, and paint science. It is approved by doctors, physios, and performance medicine specialists from five different countries. If you are suffering from acute or persistent back or hip pain, you can find protocol Cut to the Core on our website at cuttothecorefitness.com. When movement is an issue, movement is the solution. And now, let's get back to the show. I guess nowadays, social media play a huge part in the modeling industry. So how would you perceive the impact of social media on the modeling industry? I would say that nowadays, it's everything. I mean, you could, you could be a horrible model. They have a huge following and they'll definitely book you on some stuff. Oh yeah. For sure. Um, but it's, it's not everybody, you know, um, but it definitely, definitely plays a big part. When I started, we didn't have that at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, my Instagram, I had it and it wasn't a lot of followers for a very, very, very long time. It kind of just happened slowly and naturally, but some of these people, they, they blow up off, off one video or something, you know what I mean? And they start getting paid big money. And the more followers you got, I'm sure the more money you get. Between, let's say, having a good agency or having no agency at all, but having a million followers on Instagram, between those two profiles, who do you think would get booked the most? Um, I guess it depends really on the model themselves or the influencer or whatever, what the, what the, what the company is looking for with the brands looking for for their shoot for the runway mm-hmm. um but i mean i'd say half and half 50 50 if you ask me yeah yeah i think so because i guess in the in the performing arts industry it does play a part now like if you have a, a big followers on social media that does help with you like getting an audition or getting a job but at the end of the day if when you step on stage you can't deliver that's that also like, I think, I think it would be a good head start, but if your reputation goes that you can't perform on stage very well, then you, you won't get booked anymore. Oh, for sure. I could see that too. Um, I'm sure that happens quite often in the fashion industry, but I don't really know. Um, I know I've definitely got jobs because of my Instagram following for sure, Mm -hmm. but luckily I could deliver. Yeah. (laughs) Because you actually were a model before. Yes, but I'm sure it happens all the time. I'm sure they book some big Instagram influencer with millions of followers and they get there and they're just like, oh my God, this person is terrible. <laughs> and do you think it happens also that because of all the filters, Photoshop and everything, you can make yourself look really good or look very bankable on your social media, but when you actually show up for a show or anything, like if there is too much of a difference, then the client may be like, oh. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that happens every day. <laughs> <laughs> in the industry <laughs> i'm sure because i mean even from your modeling cards I've, i remember you know they would tell me this model showing up or this model is going to be there you you and this person and then i, I would look them up mm-hmm. and see their modeling cards and all that stuff and they look amazing but then they show up and you're like that's that's her or that's him that's the same person <laughs> <laughs> and then they go through hair and makeup and you're like oh yeah that's them <laughs> it's like they need the whole <laughs> army of hair, makeup, good lights, yep. Photoshop. And then yep. there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. For sure. So I could only imagine nowadays with, with how Instagram and all these filters are, mm-hmm. how hard it is for them to find somebody that's really real. 
mm-hmm. exactly what they're looking for as well. Mm-hmm. That's very difficult. And going back to your tattoos, was getting so heavily tattoos a choice from the beginning or you did just started with one and then just go with the flow? You know what? I was young and dumb and I grew up in Venice. I, I grew up in Venice Beach and it's just tattoos. A lot of my friends were tattoo artists. I wanted to be a tattoo artist at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went in young. I did my neck when I was like 17 or something. Oh, okay. I started it. Mm-hmm. But I was and yeah, I kind of just jumped in head first, literally. And um, yeah, I mean, I wish I would have waited for sure. I wish I could have took my time, especially now that tattooing has got so amazing. And yeah. people are so talented when I was, when I was starting and, and I was getting my tattoos, it was just like American traditional sailor tattoos. Mm-hmm. That was the cool stuff. Yeah. And I liked it and I still like it, but nowadays my taste has definitely changed a lot, mm-hmm. but I have no more room. Yeah. <laughs> or, I do, or I do like around my upper thighs and stuff like that where I'm not going to even see it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I kind of just jumped into that one for sure. <laughs> and what was your so you say you did your neck at 17 was that your first one your first tattoo no <laughs> my first tattoo is a little one here on the back of my neck and it says made in venice and that was my first and i was 14 i believe oh so you really did start young yeah really young <laughs> i had little little bits here and there little crappy ones that i did on myself or friends would do on me and then Yeah. And then once once I got like 17, 18, 19, I started getting like nicer ones and paying for them. Yeah. And um what are your favorite places in LA or favorite artists? Oh, I don't know. You know, my taste has changed so much these days and I haven't been tattooed in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um I let my friend do one on me the other day. It was cool. It was one he had already did and we just kind of reworked it and made it a little different, mm-hmm. but um I have One of my, what I was tattooing for quite some time as well. So one of my colleagues, his name's Frankie. Mm-hmm. He's really good right now. And I think if I went to get a couple tattoos, I'd probably go to him. Okay. He's killing it right now. And where does he work? He works at ST Tattoo in Venice. Okay. Um, like, sui- like suicidal tendencies. Mm-hmm. It's like that suicidal tendencies tattoo shop. Basically. Okay. ST Tattoo. Nice. Yeah, I got one at um, Shamrock Social Club. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got one there before. Steve recommended that place to me when we were performing in Santa Monica because it's the place where he did yes. his old back piece. Yes. I mean, that's a very legendary tattoo studio. Mark Mahoney, the, the guy who created it, I, I know him pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. His daughter was a friend of mine. Oh, okay. So I used, I used to hang out there here and there. I got, I got one there, but I've covered it up since then because... Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't know. It was like very, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. And I was young. Mm-hmm. It was one of my first ones. Yeah. So it was like really thin and girly and kind of <laughs> flowers. And I wanted like, I wanted flowers with smoke, but I wanted it more like badass and epic. And it was mm-hmm. just kind of, yeah. it was, it was kind of girly. So I covered it up. <laughs> The high voltage is pretty famous in LA too, right? Yep. High voltage is very famous. I've never been there. I think just because, um, 
I don't know anybody that works there. I always like to be tattooed by mm-hmm. people that I kind of knew or friends of friends or something yeah. like that. Cause I don't like going, to, I don't like going in a tattoo shop. I don't like hanging out there. I don't like, you know, the, the whole vibe in most of these places. So I kind of just go where I know somebody where we can hang out, get it done. Yeah. Do you get approach for the jobs for tattoo shops or in the tattoo industry? No, not really. Um, here and there in London, I would do like, I would go to the tattoo conventions and stuff like that. Kind of just show fate. Mm-hmm. But no, not really. I think the tattoo world is its own little world. And I don't think they really like me kind of making tattoos a bit more mainstream in the beginning, like when I was coming up. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I think that, you know, I was like one of the people that made getting your neck tattooed before. Cause you know, they have the rules. You can get your body, your arms, and then you can do your hands and your neck and your face. Mm-hmm. And I, th- and I think they just would like feel some type of way about me because I was showing kids that you can have your neck tattooed and still get a job, things like that. Mm, yeah. So that's just the way I felt. I don't know that for sure, but I'm sure you may, you, you may have made a, a couple of parents pretty pissed off. <laughs> that's for yeah, sure. I think so. <laughs> I think definitely. I know that I've definitely inspired some of these kids to tattoo their bodies. And if they would have asked me, I would have said, don't do it. Now that you're a dad, what would you say if your if your daughter would say, "Hey, Dad, uh, I want to get a tattoo now"? I would say, because you can't say no, because then they're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. You have to um, try to deter them in a positive way, I guess. But <laughs> I, I would, I would, if she wants to get tattoos and she's older, I would let her do it. I would tell her to make sure because you know I would use myself as an example. I started very young just because I wanted them, and wait, I wish that I would have waited longer so that I know exactly what I wanted, where I wanted it, you know, maybe come up with this little scheme, not just a bunch of random stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. Make it cohesive and beautiful and more art than just like pictures and words and, you know, symbols and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I like, I wish I would have waited and did like a whole Japanese bodysuit or something beautiful like that. Oh, really? Yeah. I just wanted, I wish there was something that I would love to look at every day all day every day mm. i guess your whole body composition it, it may look like as you say like bits and pieces from different style or anything but with the career that you had i think it, sh- it shows that you made the right choices aesthetically it's an aesthetic that was featured through so many brilliant fashion designers yeah i mean I'm, i don't regret them I, you know i just wish i would have had some waited a little bit longer, did some other things, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, it definitely, definitely has been, but I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm biased. I should say, <laughs> if you, if you ask me, I would say, don't get them. They hurt. You know, yeah. I wish I would have not got them. I tell people all the time or like, I'll be grocery shopping and they'll be like, Oh, I love your tattoos. And I'll be like, you can have them. You want them? <laughs> and what was your, your most noticeable collaboration, like the job that you, you did a campaign or like working with some creative that you were like, oh, yeah, that was, that was amazing. I don't know. I did so much. Um, let me think. You know what? I did a lot of work with Vivian Westwood and that was really a highlight of my career and becoming friends with that whole, with that whole team and her and everyone. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. I love Vivian. I love working with them. Um, I did. Hmm. I was working with Fendi a lot. I didn't actually shoot for them, 
mm-hmm. but I was, I was doing a lot of like promo with them and doing come like sitting front row at their fashion shows. Like I was towards the end of my um, time in, in Europe, I was not so much walking the shows, but I was watching them and sitting front row and getting my photos taken and becoming more of a personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's, that's when I really started to connect with, with really higher level brands and, and meeting them and being friends with them and working with them on a different kind of level than just doing their campaigns and shows and stuff like that. But, um, because you were starting to become more of a personality, you started to be more involved on the creative process or like other jobs than just wearing the clothes and walking. Yes. Yes. Um, and I was trying to get in there and work with like, I would love to have been, you know, like learning how to design or learning how to work in, in some of these industries besides just being, you know, having my picture taken because I love fashion. I love that whole world. Yeah. And out of all your, the cities that you traveled and that you work in, which one is your favorite one? Definitely London. That was my hub. That was my second home. I loved it so, so much. I wish I would have never left, but I mean, I'm happy where I am now, but I loved it there so much. I never felt so at home in another country ever. Oh, really? Yeah. I loved it there. I, I mean, at first it was weird. I, I didn't like the food, you know, I didn't, it was wet all the time and cold and rainy <laughs> and, but then I just grew to love it so much. And I, I felt like it was my town at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, Milan was always a great fun. I loved it. I love Italy because the food, the coffee, the girls. Yeah. <laughs> Italy, Italy is so, so beautiful. Yeah. Is it very different, the fashion industry in Europe compared to the United States? I would say so. I mean, there's not much fashion in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? Everyone just wears little shorts yeah. and, you know, comfy for the weather pretty much. But or now it's just all streetwear and hype beast type shit you know what's cool what's trendy what's expensive mm-hmm. flashy showing off and yeah. i'm not like that you know mm-hmm. I, I did it for a little while when, when like the streetwear scene first was starting out i was kind of there for that in paris and wearing all you know the hood by air mm-hmm. and all the cool fucking shorts over the leggings and doing all yes. that it was, it was it was fun it was fun when it started but then it yeah. just got too crazy i had to get i had to get away from that <laughs> <laughs> So you're not super into trading sneakers and all that kind of stuff. I'm not into any of that any, anymore. Now I'm wearing like salvage denim, a lot of workwear, double RL, Levi's. Um, I like more heavy duty stuff that lasts a long time. Not so much flat. It's still expensive. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy <laughs> with, with the charging for a pair of jeans these days, like three, four, five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. But that's the key word here is really solid, like more functional and solid clothes because we know when babies, they'll get, <laughs> they'll get after your clothes. That's for sure. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, for, like I said, for the first year I was in sweatpants <laughs> of my child's life. I did not leave the house, especially because COVID too. So we didn't leave. We didn't leave anywhere. And we went to the grocery store and that was it. Um, so, I mean, I kind of uh, stopped dressing nice and flashing and spending a lot of money on clothes. But now that she's getting a little older, I went and got some new jeans. I've got some nice, some nice boots from WRL, some new red wings. Just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, more manly clothes. I think I'm doing these days. Yeah. And a lot of cowboy stuff. Like I've really gotten into like the Western cowboy look lately. So I wish I could have a little ranch, you know, I've got this cool truck, 
Yeah. I, I've been really, really into it. I've been really into it. Do you rock the Cowboy combo hats? I, I mean, I have them. Yeah. I feel, sometimes I feel like it's too much of a costume with the cowboy hat. <laughs> but I'll do it sometimes. It's like if you have the ranch to go with it, then it works. But in the grocery store in LA, yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I lived in Texas, I'd wear it every day. But here you get, you get looks. And I'm not a cowboy as much as I'd like to be. Yeah. How would you perceive like high fashion clothing? Because if I compared with Cirque du shows, you know, we wear costumes on stage and sometimes the line between a costume and just regular clothes can be a bit blurry. And I feel like in high fashion, it can be like that. Too. Yes. Um, especially on the runway. <laughs> you yeah. see some, you see some crazy stuff. Um, I think it's okay though. You know, like when I was in that world and I was walk, I was, um, going to all the fashion weeks and attending all the shows. Mm-hmm. It, it was fun to get dressed up like a costume. Sometimes I would wear like a full, like, and this is before Peaky Blinders, but that style, you know, mm-hmm. 1930s England um, kind of vibe. And sometimes I would just super rockabilly. Sometimes I would just super streetwear. I mean, it is kind of like a costume, but I mean, it, it's, it's okay to change it up if you can pull it off. Sometimes it looks like a costume and that's when it's not so good. Yeah. Did you see the evolution of fashion as well, like seeing some type of clothing on the runway that everyone would be like, Oh my God, this is so outside of the box. And then like 10 years later, it becomes like just a standard, like regular clothing or do the crazy thing that we see on the runway, just stay there most of the time. Both. I'd say, um, you know, sometimes some stuff is so crazy because it's for the runway. And I think that is, you know, just to show what they can do and just to show off and make it more of like a show, make it more of a performance. But some of that, some people will buy that runway stuff and wear it. I mean, and they have a lot of money, I'm sure, because it's not, it's not cheap to do that. But yeah, I'd say like, even with the streetwear, like when we were, when it was first going on and everyone was doing that in Paris and in Europe, people thought it was silly. You know, what are you wearing shorts over your leggings for? Why are you wearing like a, a bib on the front of your, you know? Mm-hmm. on the front of your sweatpants and stuff like that your super big t-shirt um long in the back you know and i think it became so so popular that now that's just what style is i mean people mm-hmm. i mean people see these balenciagas on these rappers and on the runway and they're so hideous <laughs> but because they're popular and expensive everybody's wearing them and i just, I, just you know, I don't know i've never been like that no. But I do. I definitely see it for sure. <laughs> um, I have one last question for you. Sure. Um, if tomorrow aliens would land on <laughs> Earth, how would you describe Cirque du Soleil to them? How would I describe it to them? <laughs> oh, wow. I guess I would describe Cirque du Soleil. I don't know. That's a funny question. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that it's not your typical circus, but would they even know what a circus is? Um, I would say that it's a very visually stimulating, beautiful performance by a group of very talented um, performers. Uh, that there's a theme, there's always beautiful costumes and music, and it's I basically, I guess I would just describe it to them so they could understand, but I would just say it's a beautiful experience that you would need to definitely go check out. I like that. It's a good answer. I was trying to explain it to a, my sister's friend. Uh, my uh, No, my girlfriend's sister. 
like a couple of days ago because we were talking about going to see the the oval yes and she did she had never been she never heard of it and you know i started pulling up youtube videos she's like oh wow oh my god that's when you said circus i was thinking you know yeah it's not that not at all it's it's <laughs> i'd say more like ballet or something like that it's beautiful mm-hmm. Yeah, originally it was acrobatics through the language of theater. Yes, okay, I could see that, which is amazing because you don't get to see that anywhere anymore. And uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me. I know you're busy with your daughter and everything, but I really appreciate it. No problem. I wish you good luck for all the coming projects. And well, next time I'm in LA, I'll hit you up. We can, we can catch up with the kids. Yeah, we should definitely do that. Take care, brother. You too. Thank you for everything. Fantastic story, huh? And what I find the most amazing in Jimmy's past is that in this world of appearances and pretense, he was just truly being himself. That's what got him so famous, being himself and not pretending to be something he was not. It sounds so simple but I really think that it's not so easy to do, especially in the entertainment industry, when there is so much pressure to be great and to always do great things. So food for thought, guys. Let's just be ourselves. Now, as always, if you like the show, give us a good rating and review. Share the podcast on your social media, with your friends, your family. And still, we are preparing a special Q&A episode in which I'll be answering your questions. So if you have anything you would like to know about Cirque or the entertainment industry, send your questions on our Instagram at Podcast. And if I don't have the answer, I'll just ask around. I want to make sure I give you guys a good answer. All right, take it easy. And until next week, as we say in the circus, see you down the road. <music>